Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. No, absolutely. Uh, this is, you know, we felt that a little last year, but obviously we were second-year players. We were still learning. Uh, but, you know, three years into this, and and it helps for us, you know, having such a younger team. So we feel like the older guys. And we have such a tight-knit group, and um, I think we, we've prided ourselves since we have came in of trying to change the culture, change the, uh, you know, direction of the program. When we came in, they were, I think, 4-12, and 12, and then we've gone 7-9, and nine, then 8-8. Eight um, but we felt like, regardless of the uh, you know record, we've gotten better every year, and we're close to putting together something special. And so, like you said, you know that that's on us from a leadership standpoint to get the guys going. And we know exactly how to do it, and we know how not to do it. And uh, and so we're learning and getting better from a leadership standpoint. That is Raiders wide receiver. Now third-year wide receiver Hunter Renfro speaking today over at the practice facility in Henderson, day five of Raiders training camp. And Hunter was talking about uh, or answering a question from yours truly, Vinny Bonsignor. I cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, by the way. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador on a Monday. And as I mentioned, day five of Raiders training camp. And one thing, uh, a bunch of things are becoming uh, abundantly clear. Number one, I think this Raiders team, this Raiders roster uh, that that I see on a daily basis is the best roster that I've seen uh, over the last three years, flat out, straight out. Uh, I don't think there's any uh, question. I go back to the first time I saw that 2019 Raiders roster, and I was covering the Los Angeles Rams at the time for the athletic in Los Angeles. Uh, we went up to Napa Valley in training camp. Uh, the Rams were practicing for two days against the Raiders and they were going to play them that following Saturday up in Oakland uh, to in, in a preseason game. And I can remember the couple of days that we were up there watching uh, a Rams team that had was just coming off a uh, Super Bowl. Uh, oh no, actually this was the year that they went uh, to, or no, 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 they were coming off the Super Bowl. My, my bad. And Looking at that Raiders team, you just felt, all right, this is a little ways off. This is a uh, this is going to take a little while for the Raiders. The talent, the depth, it just wasn't there. Now, granted, even at that early stage of 2019, you can see some young players. That 2019 draft class, Hunter Renfro among them, Josh Jacobs, obviously, uh, Cleve Farrell, Max Crosby, uh, Foster Moreau. Uh, that was the year that Darren Waller uh, emerged as a player. And I, I could vividly remember uh, us as reporters uh, from Los Angeles asking, who the heck is that dude? <laughs> Where did he come from? So you can see that there was talent uh, on hand. It was just super, super young. There was a lot of work that needed to be done, and this was uh, John Gruden's second year. Uh, his second draft class uh, was put into place, the first draft class uh, the year before Colton Miller, and it wasn't a whole lot much uh, beyond beyond that with uh, Reggie McKenzie was the, was the general manager at the time. That 2019 class was in combination with John Gruden and, and Mike Mack. So you can see some talent, but you also understood there's a lot of work that needs to be done uh, with this team. Well, fast forward three years later, this is my second year on the Raiders beat. I came aboard uh, at the very tail end of the 2019 season, and even then, that last month of the, of the season, you can tell 
there's still a lot of work that needs to be done uh, with this Raiders roster. We remember we talked to Mike, uh, or excuse me, to Mark Davis, the owner, uh, last week. And what did Mark Davis say um, when we talked to him about the contract that John Gruden got, the time, uh, the financial commitment that he put into John Gruden, and the fact that that was in place because the organization, Mark Davis included, obviously the owner, kind of decided, look, this is going to take a little while, and we need to get this right. For years and years and years, you go back uh, to what the Raiders were doing and how they were handling their business, and you know, far too many times they would go for the quick fix, and it was it was always described to me as putting a Band-Aid on an open, gushing wound. Yeah, you might get some temporary relief. It might actually lead to, you know, uh, some temporary success, but... As far as long-range success, it wasn't possible. They weren't building a sturdy enough foundation. It was like cotton candy. You ever had cotton candy? You kind of take a first bite, and it tastes pretty good, but then it just disappears. It's just all sugar and just literally disappears in your mouth, and it's like, well, where would it go? What, what happened? That was kind of like what the Raiders had been doing for far too long, and I think that my, you know, uh, Mark uh, Davis, the owner, finally decided, look, we have to get this right. We have to put ourselves in a position for prolonged success, not fleeting success. How do you do that? Well, you turn to a trusted source. You turn to somebody that you believe in. And that was John Gruden for Mike, uh, for, for Mark Davis. And he said, look, I'm going to give you the necessary runway to get this thing built correctly. Obviously, it's going to take some time. I'm investing in you. I'm giving you that time. Obviously, don't take forever. That's not the answer. But do it right, even if it means a little bit of a slower process, a more prudent, moderate process that's going to put this organization in a much better position to succeed. And that, I believe, earnestly believe, is exactly what John Gruden has been doing from day one. I think that, as Mark Davis pointed out, that 2018 season, his first year, is just to kind of size things up. What do I have to work with here? You know, I've been an analyst on um, Monday Night Football for all these years. Yeah, uh, from time to time I get to see the Raiders, uh, but, you know, it's more peripherally than, than intimately, so he didn't really know exactly what he was getting into. It took a year for him to size up that roster and finally decide, probably quickly, yeah, this is going to take a lot of time. This is going to take a lot of effort. We're going to have to completely strip this thing down almost to bare minimum uh, and then build it back up. I know fans don't want to hear it. I know that that ended up costing guys like Khalil Mack and Amare Cooper. Uh, but this is what I'll say. If it does work, and the question is still out, the jury's still out, we have to see it actually come to fruition. When it does, if it does... Are you going to be thinking about Khalil Mack uh, and Amari Cooper? No, you're going to be thinking about the success that you're having in present time. That's what the goal is all about. And that's why I go back uh, to, to talking to Hunter Renfro uh, today, and I asked him about that leadership changeover that seems to be occurring right in front of our eyes. And I've noticed it from day one of training camp. In fact, I could go back uh, to OTAs, and you can see that group the Hunter Renfros, the Clee Farrells, the Max Crosbys for sure, 
the Trayvon Mullins, the Jonathan Abrams, uh, the the Alec Ingold, an undrafted free agent in 2019. You can see, and Foster Moreau, them becoming more comfortable with their own success, their own status now, veteran status uh, in the NFL. It's no longer about finding your way and trying to make your mark and, you know, being the uh, observer and not the um, verbal leader. You know, you're going to defer in that regard because you're just trying to kind of find your own way. That's no longer happening. This 2019 group, Hunter Renfro, Clee Farrell, Max Crosby, Trayvon Mullen, Alec Ingold, Jonathan Abram, Foster Moreau, which was a really good draft when you think back when you think back on it. They're starting to find their footing. There is, in a way, an ownership shift going on right now uh, with the Raiders. Look, obviously quarterbacks kind of run the show. This is Derek Carr's team in a grander scale. Uh, he's the quarterback, he's the leader, he's the face of the franchise. Uh, but Directly below that, you have to have a core. You have to have a foundation. And I really believe that 2019 group is starting to assert themselves. Now, you ask yourself, okay, Vinny, well, what about that 2020 group? A little bit different for for that for last year's rookie class. And I'm not sitting here making excuses. I'm giving you the straight soup. I'm giving you valid explanations. The cards were stacked against that group last year, that 2020 rookie class. It just was. This is a franchise that was moving from Oakland to Las Vegas in the middle of a pandemic. This is a franchise that its building wasn't open. There was no off-season program. There were no OTAs. There was no ability to get this rookie class's feet wet, to build that foundation for them. Remember we talked uh, last year about Alec Ingold and about how lost he would have been or maybe even behind the eight ball in terms of making the Raiders in 2019 if he had gone through the same thing that the 2020 class went through last year, right? Because he understood in OTAs, that's how you open eyes. You know, that's how you create some sort of a trust level with your uh, teammates with your veteran teammates. Who's he hanging out with? What, how, what time does he show up in the building? How does he work? Uh, how does he interact with with other players? Uh, what's his work ethic like? How's he? What's he doing in the in the weight room? Is he diligent in the classroom? Is he paying attention? He felt like all eyes were on him, not just from his coaches, uh, but scouts, the general manager, everybody in the building, other teammates, veterans, other rookies, and he just felt like. Um, you know, he needed to continually put his best foot forward to make the most favorable impression. And in the process, learned the offense, learned his teammates, got comfortable in his surroundings. And by the time training camp opened up, he had already uh, established some level of, hey, this guy is pretty good. Let's see now what he's going to do in training camp. And he had the knowledge of the offense and what his responsibilities were going to be. So he was able to hit the ground running in training camp. Again, Alec Ingold, part of that 2019 group. That wasn't available for the 2020 rookie class. So don't be hasty in writing Damon Arnett, in writing Henry Ruggs, in writing Brian Edwards, uh, and those John Simpson 
Tanner Muse. Don't be writing those guys off. Don't be in a haste to do that. They were dealt. They were behind the eight ball last year. Well, I'll tell you this too. Tanner Muse has been working his way into a role as the outside linebacker uh, in base defense. Henry Ruggs today put on a little bit of a show uh, at times. So did Brian Edwards, made a, cl- uh, a, a catch over Casey Hayward, who had tremendous coverage on him. But Brian Edwards goes up and gets it. It shows when you're six foot two and strong and big like he is and has the catch radius that he is, what he can do, even when he's well covered. So that group is now they they did get that foundation uh, over the uh, over the off season. They were able to finally get in the building and 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 do the normal thing along with the 2020 group. Which, by the way, I'm just gonna say it right now looks very very impressive. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. We're gonna go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider 27 wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider 27? Hey, Vinny, what's up, man? I'm good. How are you, brother? I've been fishing every day almost. <laughs> it's that time of year here where I live. All right. We've got thunderstorms, and it's been cloudy and cool every morning, and the fish are eating dry flies, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm down. I'm sorry if I missed calling a few times, Vinny, but, you know. All good, man. As long as you were listening <laughs> and as long as you were keeping an eye on Twitter, I'm all good with that. We are doing that. Um what I wanted to bring up, and I've brought this up so many times, it just takes so long for a draft class to really know what you have. And you just said it takes three years. Well, for defensive backs, that's a minimum. People don't understand. They, oh, Dart, Damon Arnett, he was a bust. He, he wasn't a superstar last year. No, he wasn't. Neither was – neither was. Uh, um, I, I just had the guy's name. He was a – He's number 21, man. When I was at the Raiders family day as a guest of the Raiders, um, I went and ran with him and Lionel. Um, the back in the day or the current 21? No, 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 no. Back in the day, oh, back cl- in the 90s. Um, Lionel Washington was the other cornerback. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay. It's like he told me how we would go run in the mornings. And... Um, he told me what it takes for a cornerback or a defensive back, and it was mind-boggling. And that was then. You know, now it's even harder. You know, but, but the thing of it is, is um, I guess what I really wanted to talk about was I'm an off-season guy. You know, being, I've been a diehard Raider for life since 1980. And it was fun back then when we were going to Super Bowls and the championship every year and you're in the play. It was fun back then, but it's been such a long dry spell. Every offseason, it's better for me in the offseason because the Raiders don't lose every weekend. You know, and it's like, okay, okay, I'm good. I'm good. The preseason starts, I'm awesome, man. I'm ready to go. I hear the hype. Oh, these guys are great. All right. And then the real games start, and it's like, Oh shoot! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reality reality hits, right? I'll tell you yeah, this. I... And it's like, doggone it! Um, I wish they could play a little bit better. But you know what? I've been around the NFL enough, and I was fortunate enough to be active in the booster clubs, and and I I was active in the fundraising and helping these guys with their charities, and I did a lot of stuff like that. And I got to know these guys. These guys want to win. Oh, They're no question. There. Most of these guys are not there for a paycheck. 
I'm sure there are players there for a paycheck, but most of these guys are putting out so much effort, and they're busting their butt, and they watch every bite of food they eat all the time. Think about that. Just think about that. Don't think about the eight hours a day they spend in the gym in the offseason. Just, I mean, a normal person, think about every bite of food you take, you're thinking about 24-7 for years. You know, and these guys are putting out so much effort to do this that um, even if the Raiders don't win every year, I understand the effort that goes into it, and I understand how hard these guys try. And I understand how much work these guys put into it. And I don't, you know, I, I mean, you sound like, oh, man, this guy signed this contract. That sounds like a lot of money. Well, you know what? You go do what they do for a month and tell me if you think you can do it for years, for the years of that contract. Yeah, I agree. And I uh, really appreciate the call, Raider 27. Um, and you think about when we're talking about the 2019 group right now, you're talking about Alabama, Clemson, two Clemson players or three Clemson players. Um, you know, Wisconsin, uh, Alec Ingold. I know it's, they don't win national championships, but that's a perennially good, solid winning football program. All of these guys are used to winning. And I can tell you because, you know, I've talked to enough of them, it pisses them off that they've been losing. And. You know, as a young player, there's only so much you can do, uh, you know, as a rookie draft class and even going into your second year, which many of those guys were. Um, but but it, 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 it's eating at them that they haven't been able to win like they're accustomed to. And I can tell you right now, they are maniacally obsessed with getting back on the winning track and winning like they're normal, like they're accustomed to at Alabama, at Clemson, uh, at LSU, uh, Foster Moreau, at Wisconsin, Alec Ingold, uh, and some of the other Ohio State, uh, Damian, uh, uh, Damian Ar- Ar- Arnett, right? These guys want to win, and it takes a little while sometimes, especially collectively, for a new group to kind of take ownership of a team and start steering it in the direction that they want. And here's the thing. You can get a group of knuckleheads, and it's going to go knuckleheaded in that kind of direction. I've seen that happen before. They're not knuckleheads. This group, that 2019 group, last year's uh, group, they're, they're – and, you know – was there some maturing that needed to be done? Obviously, that's always the case. But did you see Jonathan Abram last week when we talked to him? How different he looked, how more serious he looked, how more how much more mature he looked. It sometimes takes a little while for that to take hold. When we talked to Richie Incognito and uh, Madro and Raider uh, uh, Paul, uh, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm going to get to you here in just one second. We talked to Richie Incognito, and he said it takes a year or two or three for guys to kind of figure out what it takes at this level. The good ones figure it out. The bad ones start understanding that when they're gone, and they look back and say, dang, man, dang, I had it all right there, and I'm no longer there because I didn't get it quick enough. I didn't pay attention. I didn't heed the advice. I didn't listen to the leaders of the team. I thought I knew it all, but I didn't know squat, and now I'm sitting here out of a career because I was thick-headed, and I didn't listen. 
It's the good ones that, you know, obviously the quicker you get it, the better. And some guys get it immediately. But sometimes it takes a little while. And especially on a young team, like, you know, with the Raiders, you know, if you're the 2019 draft class coming in, there were veterans there that kind of were, you know, still hanging on to the old ways. And you kind of had to fight through that and understand your place and your time and your voice and not push it too hard because there are some veterans to defer to. Well, that's been cleared out. This is... When you look at this roster right now, this is clearly John Gruden and Mike Mayock's roster, save for a guy here or a guy there that preceded him. Derek Carr is one of them. But other than that, this is the Mike Mayock-John Gruden group, almost exclusively, 100%. And you can tell that just by watching these guys work. There's a different work ethic. There's a different passion. There's a different intensity. And we're talking, as John Gruden you mentioned on Saturday, 7.30 in the morning. These guys hit the ground running at 7.30 in the morning. I'm there. I see it. You know, and you got to fight to get there and to to be alert at that at that hour in the morning to be on top of your game. I know even in, in my case, you know, in my profession, trying to give you guys the best coverage that I possibly can. I got to be up. I got to be alert. I got to be into it. I got to know what I'm looking at, what I'm seeing, what I'm reporting. That's just my little neck of the woods. Then I look at those guys busting their you-know-what from the minute they step on the on the field, and I'm like, this group has – a passion about it, an intensity about it. Will it translate to wins on the field? We're going to see. But I'll tell you this. If they don't succeed, it's not going to be because they don't care. They do. I can tell you that right now, that this group cares about winning and doing it the right way. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Right back out to the Raider Nation guest line or uh, listener line, Mod- Madro. My man Madro. How you doing, brother? Hey, pretty good, Vinny. Yourself? I'm doing good, thanks. Yeah, I hope that so many fans are actually listening to you. Um, it's an interesting group here compared to what it was like in Oakland. Um, there's so many that are just down or real sour about this, but, you know, the truth of the matter is, and you've been around winning organizations, you've reported on winning, not just in football, but in basketball also, but you see what, like the L.A. Rams, what they went through in the turnaround. And, you know, this team is not only being put together right, it's being put together with the draft for the most part. You don't see you wasting a lot of money on a ton of free agents that are over the hill, you know, like we used to do. This one, we blew the thing up, started from scratch. It takes a few years. In fact, a great example is the Buffalo Bills. Get a new coaching staff, they decide to build their team right. First year, they stink. Second year, I believe they went 6-10. and 10. Third year, they went 10-6. and six. Now, that would be equal to R8 and 8 because we should have been 10 and 6, to tell you the truth. And then last year they went 13 and 3. That's our this year. That's our fourth year's coming up. The other part about this, when we win, and we will, because all we need is the defense to be slightly better. We have a top 10 offense, if not better. 
And so if the defense gets somewhat better, although I think they're going to kind of blow some people away with what a turnaround this is going to be on the defense, the fact is this is going to be a good team. And not only that, it's built to last. It's young. It's young winning kid, and you know you were talking about the all these kids were used to winning in college. Well, they were also used to winning in high school. That's why they wound up at LSU, and um, you know all all the Clemsons and the Alabamas and Ohio States because they were top recruits from high school. They were great then, and so this team is ready to roll. And granted, shit happens, or sometimes you just can't win. You know, something goes wrong, you get a bad call here and there. But overall, this is going to be a team, and I still say, because I'm not much of a betting guy. I've been around football too long to waste money betting. But bet the farm on the over six and a half. I like the confidence. And listen, the Raiders' defense last year was not ready to contribute the way it needed to contribute. But that doesn't mean not uh, being not ready and just incapable or just lacking the the uh, overall talent. Those are two different things. Now, granted, the Raiders needed help. They needed to revamp the defensive line. They needed to bring in a better better pass rusher. They did that unique in Gakwe. I thought they needed some veteran leadership in the secondary. They did that with Casey Hayward. But the bulk of the improvement is still going to come from within. And I contend that many of those holdovers are good players, good talented players. They just weren't quite ready yesterday, especially when so many of them were young, rookies or second-year players, uh, and the, the the lack of the offseason last year really hurt them. I've told you guys this a million times, even at the time. My uh, contact with Raider coaches uh, last spring, not this past spring, but the spring before that was, this is going to hurt us. Not having a regular offseason, given how many young players we have to rely on, is going to hurt us. They understood that. They knew it. They braced for it. They tried to coach around it as best as they possibly could. There were injuries. There was COVID-19. Uh, there was a lack of cohesion. There was probably a, a, a coaching issue on that defensive side of the ball. But they understood that that was a possibility. They were being realists at the time. I sense a different tone uh, this year, and we'll see. Of course, it has to happen uh, when you know the games start, uh, but that's that's what it's all about. And um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So, uh, okay, gotcha. Um, so, but I sense something different happening uh, with the Raiders. We're gonna go out to the Raider Nation uh, guest line and welcome in my good friend from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, you could follow his everything that he does in the Las Vegas Review Journal, but specifically as it relates to the Raiders. Uh, just go ahead and download the app Vegas Nation or go to VegasNation.com and you will find all of Sam Gordon's great work. Sam, uh, saw you earlier today. We keep running into each other in Henderson, Sam. Uh, it's uncanny, uh, but uh, always good to see you. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. How are you doing, my man? Doing great, Vinny. Always a good time seeing you and, uh, and always uh, love being on the show. So I appreciate you having me. Feels good to be back out at training camp. Football is in the air and it is fantastic. Sam, am I off the beaten path? Am I barking up the wrong tree? How many more cliches can I uh, say this with? But 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 I do sense something different this year. I sense more maturity. I sense uh, some young guys that are are really serious about taking that next step, not just individually, but collectively. Um, and that coupled with some 
you know, the, a Yannick Ngakwe and a, and a Solomon Thomas, some of the additions, Corey, uh, Casey, Casey Hayward. I, it just feels a little bit different this year to me than it did last year. I am with you. I think what you are seeing is this is, was, was a very young football team uh, last year that went through a very unorthodox, very unusual season and experiences some challenges, experienced some success and some failure uh, collectively that is starting to mature and is starting to grow up a little bit. And that's the, that's the sense I've been getting. And I think, you know, I watched – I kept a close eye on the offensive line today, especially during individuals, and, and that's really where I, I gleaned the same thing you did. You have a brand-new unit, a very, very new – you know, new right tackle, new right guard. I mean, very, very different than the unit we're accustomed to seeing and very, very intent, intently listening to Tom Cable, working together as a unit, firing off, um, understanding that on the offensive side of the ball anyways, that they are going to be the key um, driving this engine because no, you can't have a good offense without a good offensive line. When I saw kind of the cohesiveness and it's something Richie Incognito talked about after, after practice as one of the OGs on this team as a veteran, uh, that, that he notices the same thing. And, and you, you talk about the defensive side of the ball. I think you see young guys flying around. Like you said, Nagakwe, uh, his motor, his presence, his energy. It's just more of a veteran group um, that has better players, that, that has more competition at different positions. And I think you're what you're seeing is that's bringing out kind of a different pace, a different energy, um, a different aura so far um, in camp. Now, we'll see. Obviously, pads come on uh, tomorrow, and, and that's when things really get more serious. I think that's when things are going to get ratcheted up a little bit, and you're going to see this competition uh, for different spots really intensify and really heat up because coaches are going to be able to get a better a better sense of how to evaluate guys and what they've been doing. But so far, no, I feel like practices have had a really good pace to them, a really good, um, really good energy and really good rapport between players and coaches. And, you know, more again, more veterans, more maturity from some of the young, younger players and just really a um, – a cohesion that I think having a full off season uh, helped uh, propel. I think that uh, Richie Incognito had the classic um, old dude reaction today when I asked him about the generational gap between himself, thirty-eight years old, and some of his uh, uh, very much younger uh, teammates. Some as as young as sixteen years uh, younger than he is. And uh, how shocked were you or surprised, uh, I'm using that facetiously, that he went right to music. Um, I know being having been in, you know, thousands of clubhouses over the years in baseball or whatever sport that might, you know, you might be talking about. Uh, music dictates and, yeah. you know, the, 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 the core of the team kind of dictates the uh, direction of the music. And it sure sounded like Richie's not a big fan of the uh, current music. What did you take from that? Yeah, yeah, I, I got that. I got that same sense, and uh, you know, to I, I, I kind of get where he's coming from. Some of the some of the new age stuff um, is a little repetitive. Is a little, you know, is a little. Um, you, you hear some similar sounds, and at times isn't as creative. But hey, that's you know, that's what the young guys like, and if that helps build a a, a good rapport and, and a good a good kind of chemistry, it felt like Richie Incognito was a pretty good sport about it. Um, but it, you know, like you said, it reflects. His experience level, um, how long he's been in the league. I mean, he's 38 now. Um, looks a lot younger than that. If I didn't, you know, have the roster right in front of me or his birthday right in front of me, you wouldn't be able to tell. He's moving around well, and, and he's been on a lot of really good offensive lines and in a lot of different locker rooms throughout the course of his career. Um, has you know obviously learned from different experiences that he's had and uh, and has you know made Pro Bowls and had a lot of success. So um, it, it felt like it was all in good fun, and and you know he gets the sense. I mean, just speaking with him today, it feels like he he gets the sense that this team 
um, you know, has some of that cohesion and is developing some of that chemistry that, that the good lines and good teams that he's played on has, have had. So, um, but, but yeah, I, I definitely get where he's coming from at times. I prefer, you know, a little bit of the older hip hop myself than opposed to what's new these days. So, uh, it's, it's all in good fun. You know, Richie's a, one of the more interesting people that I've, I've encountered, encountered in my career. And he's a constant reminder or he's, he's a reminder that I'm constantly reminded of, uh, as my career, you know, uh, uh, continues to unfold. And that's not to judge a book necessarily by its cover. Um, he, you know, coming into covering the Raiders, I had my preconceived ideas of, of Richie Incognito. I was blown away by how wrong those preconceived uh, uh, notions were. I kind of equated to when I was in Los Angeles and Ron Artest uh, came to the Lakers and he was portrayed one way and was completely the opposite of that. And I can remember people in Los Angeles uh, bracing for the worst with Ron Artest only to end up loving him like he was a Laker for life. He is a legend in Los Angeles uh, for not just what he did on the court, but just how he was and how he was the opposite of what everybody thought. When you you know interact with Richie Incognito and you've, you've seen a little bit of him between last year and, and this year, what were your thoughts about him and what are your thoughts now? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously we all we all know what happened. I think kind of one of the big takeaways or, you know, one of the biggest stories of his career is, you know, the situation in Miami, um, the bullying thing that involved Jonathan Martin. And obviously a very, very serious situation. And um, and and it you really get the sense that he's grown and matured and learned a lot from that, right? And that doesn't excuse anything that happened in Miami or the, 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 the transgressions or the things that took place um, down there, but... At the same time, I mean, he's a lot older, a lot more mature, has been in different locker rooms, and I don't think it's ever too late to, to, to grow or to reflect or to, to change or to become a better person, right? And now the sense I get, you know, being around him and hearing how other guys in the locker room, um, the coaching staff talks about him, is that, you know, he has matured. He has evolved into a leader. Um, he, you know, he's grown from his, his mistakes. He's navigated his career. He's continued to, um, to evolve and, and continues to be a good football player. So yeah, very, very different, um, than what I expected, but it speaks to, you know, people's abilities to, to grow and to learn. And again, not excusing anything that happened, but, um, he's a guy that, that took that, you know, he took that to heart and took that seriously and has, has matured as a result. So, uh, I don't, I don't think the, the rest of the locker room would talk about him in that way. Uh, you know, sometimes unprompted if there wasn't some real leadership there. So that's a credit to him and, and his growth and his maturity um, as he's navigated the course of his career. Without question, and we're talking to Sam Gordon, uh, our great friend and my colleague over at the Las Vegas Review-Journal, uh, a few steps to Richie's left uh, is a young offensive tackle by the name of Alex Leatherwood, who I just feel like is an old soul. Um, he just looks like a 10-year veteran and um, acts the part, looks the part, plays the part. Can't wait to see what uh, Alex looks like when the pads come on and the physicality uh, gets added to it. But I don't really have any doubts that he's going to stand up in that regard as well. I think he's blown a lot of people away uh, with his focus and his intensity and his professionalism. Uh, Your takeaways on uh, young Alex Leatherwood so far? Yeah, same thing. I've noticed those same things. You know, he's obviously being the first-round pick, and, and play, being that he plays such a vital role in this offense, he's somebody I think we all kind of wanted to watch closely. And when I've been at practices watching him work, like you said, Vinny, I mean, he's moving full speed. Uh, he's, it feels like he's inquisitive. Uh, he's fast. He's powerful. 
He's explosive, and he stepped right in, and it feels like really embraced the opportunity to to be a starting right tackle uh, for the Raiders as a rookie. And, uh, yeah, I think there's no question about it. I mean, coming from Alabama, having the experience, being that, you know, some of the offensive linemen he's played with, the, the coaching he had, the big games, the big situations he's played in and been in, uh, have I think have really prepped him to come in and have a big role right away. So, like you said, it, you know, we're going to have a – Another opportunity to see what he looks like when the pass come on and when he gets matched up against what should be uh, an improved defensive line. But if, if he can step in and, and his, his development continues at the trajectory we're seeing and, and he plays like the player the Raiders believe they're getting where, you know, somebody that, that is going to help really help in a run game and hold up in pass protection, then, then there's nothing to worry about. Then you have a, uh, a young, uh, you know, you're building a young cohesive offensive line that he's going to help anchor alongside or along with Colt Miller, who, who's opposite him, him on the left tackle. But yeah, so I, I'm with you. I've been really impressed. Um, it feels like he's moving in full speed and, and have been, has been able to pick up on things um, really quickly when I've been watching him work. Uh, in individuals with the offensive line, and I think the Raiders, um, you know, they've they've talked about him glowingly, and you, you understand when you see what how he's practiced and how he's performed so far. Sam, uh, tomorrow the pads come on. Uh, it, this isn't the 1990s where you know there was tackling to the ground and physicality, and um, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you want to call it real football. Uh, there are coaches who would uh, who would sign off on on that uh, phraseology uh, without question. Uh, so. You know, point being, it's not the old school kind of, hey, first day of pads, you better buckle up because somebody's going to knock you on your you-know-what if you're not paying attention. Uh, And even if you are paying attention, get ready uh, because it's going to be an all-out brawl uh, out there. We don't do that anymore in football, uh, right or wrong, and we all understand the reasons why they do it. So I'm sure medically and all that, it's prudent. But... You know, from an assessment standpoint, it leaves a little bit to, to be to be desired. Uh, nevertheless, uh, it uh, it is a new element, and the Raiders introduce it tomorrow. What are you uh, looking for uh, as as the Raiders translate um, into the pads, transition into the pads? Yeah, I'm I'm looking to see what those trenches look like, right? With the rebuilt offensive line that Alex Leatherwood is a part of, like we've been talking about. How does he adjust to, to having some physicality, and and what is that defensive line doing? Like who? Who is imposing their will physically on that defensive line? We, we know that's a much much deeper unit, uh, a unit that we expect to be much more productive this year, given the names, given the depth that they've added. So um, how, how do those matchups shape up and, and what side of the ball is going to get better, you know, get better on the other side? And then I'm looking at the perimeter. Benny, like, what are those matchups like on the perimeter? Um, we, we've seen Casey Hayward working with the number one defense. How does he look? in different kinds of coverages, you know, what, what kind of, um, you know, press coverage, what kind of coverages are we really going to see? Because that's one of the areas where I feel like uh, even even though it's not a full practice, you can still be pretty physical or almost as physical as you would be in game. So how do these defensive backs match up? How are they getting rotated? Uh, and what are those matchups looking like? How are those taking shape? So, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's not, it's not what we would have gotten 25 or 30 years ago, and like you said, for obvious reasons, but – it is a step up, and I do think the physical nature, right, like football at the end of the day, whether you're tackling or not, when you have the pads on, there's going to be some physicality. I think you're going to see, as competitive as things have been so far, even more competition, uh, a little bit more intensity because this, you know, 90 guys in camp competing for 53 spots, uh, they understand they have to be at their best at all times. And if that means showing off some physicality, that means showing off some physicality. So uh, I think things are only going to intensify. And, you know, the trenches and perimeter are, are two places – where I think we're going to get great matchups, and I think we're going to really um, develop an understanding for how much this team uh, has improved, where holes still are, and what they can do to get better before the season starts. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And uh, as John Gruden reminded me on Saturday, um, you know, when I asked him about 
the Raiders going up to uh, California to practice against the Rams and, and Aaron Donald. He's like, hey, don't forget, we got some guys too now, you know, and Unique Ngakwe and Jonathan Hankins and Solomon Thomas and Cleve Farrell and Max Crosby. Uh, so uh, don't discount them getting this young offensive line in order as well. And that really does start tomorrow. I can't wait to see what it looks like in the trenches because I know there's no tackling, but there's blocking and bull rushing and all that going on. That's where usually the fights start too. So um, anxious to see what it looks like uh, in that area and how that young offensive line um, holds up against what looks to be uh, a better defensive line and certainly a much deeper uh, and and ta- more talented uh, defensive line. Sam, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. You know I always appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you out there tomorrow. Be good and uh, and take care of yourself and, and enjoy NBA free agency, by the way. Man, things are moving and shaking already, Vinny. I'm, I'm refreshing my timeline every 10 seconds here. Uh, looks like the Lakers added Wayne Ellington and Trevor Ariza. Um, so things are happening. Uh, I will be tuned in. Great seeing you today, and thank you for having me on the show as always. Really appreciate it. You got it, brother. Thank you. Be good. Uh, That's Sam Gordon, our good friend and my colleague over at the Las Vegas Review Journal. If you want to check his stuff out, just go to the Las Vegas Review Journal. His Raider stuff is up on uh, Vegas Nation, uh, the app, or go to VegasNation.com and check him out. Sam uh, is one of the best uh, in the business. Sam, thank you so much. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Yeah, yeah, I think the biggest generational gap is the music. The music these guys listen to is terrible. It's all the same. I mean, it's it's nauseating. Um, but, uh, no, I, you know, I'm a... I'm a I'm a single guy, so I I I get where they're coming from. You know, I I don't have a wife, I don't have a kid, so I hang with the boys, me, Andre, Colton, uh, all the guys on the line. So there's not too much of a, a big gap. Um, you know, the biggest thing I see is just it's this will be a broad generalization. I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but you know, not a lot of uh, not a lot of the guys that come in get it. You know, about the grind, about the hunger, about you know when I when I came in, it was be quiet, get in the weight room earn your reps, earn your spot. Now these guys come in and it's, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all this, all this hype. And, uh, you know, oh, I did this in college and they kind of live off that. And, uh, you know, it takes them a year or two or three to, to learn what it takes to stick at this level. And a lot of them, you know, don't learn it till they're out. So I think, uh, you know, that's what I'm constantly on the guys about, you know, you got to be hungry every day. You got to grind. You got to, you got to really want this with every, ounce of your body and just, you know, put everything you have into it. So, um, yeah, I don't feel too old out there. I'm getting up there, but I don't feel too old. G incognito speaking for, uh, you know, the older generation. And, uh, we always look back and say our music was better, uh, back in the day. And, and I, I tend to agree with them in, in a certain aspect. Um, well, you're just hearing Prince right now. Guess what? Prince made that. Prince played every instrument, not not on that album, but typically he would play every instrument. He produced it. He wrote it. He composed it. He sang. He played uh, instruments. I'm not trying to be the old guy on uh, the lawn, but that's the reality of it. it, it there was a creativeness back in the day and an originality uh, back in the day that is just 
it's 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 lacking uh, today. Um, and I give all these young artists credit uh, for for writing what they write and performing and and putting themselves out there. It's a grind, no question about it. But I hear what he's saying about the music. There is a little bit of a repetitiveness uh, to some of the music today, uh, but it's all good. And Richie doesn't look like he's 38 years old. He kind of has that baby face uh, about him. And uh, he's ha- not only is he hanging uh, with his younger teammates, he's kind of out grinding all of them. Uh, he loves it this time of year, and it shows. Uh, and I think his loss last year, playing only two games now, uh, they missed his tenacity. They missed – uh, what he brings to the table in, in, in terms, especially that run game. Uh, I thought you, you saw the Raiders struggle sometimes in the run, and I think not having Richie incognito uh, really hurt in that regard. So we'll see if he's able to uh, to really get that offensive line where it needs to be and uh, lift them back up to a reliable unit, uh, and maybe then some, uh, because I think this offensive line, as currently constructed, uh, has a chance to be as good, if not better, uh, than, the, than the good offensive lines that the Raiders have had the last couple of years. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Paul is on the line. He wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Raider Paul? Hey, I'm doing good. Great show. Good points you're making. Thank you, brother. Uh, I want to circle back on a little bit what you were saying um, a little while ago about, like, last year, you know, everything that they had to to go through. And uh, just throw in my two cents about we're forgetting about that, the fans, the fans in the stadium, you know, the the false starts that that they missed, the going to the silent count that the Raiders would have had with the fans going. I mean, I think they would have had a couple more – wins easy if they would have fans in the stands and also we beat the chiefs we beat them twice we didn't get the win but we really whooped them twice and they were shot we came out we beat the saints and from there yeah the defense just kind of went downhill and we just couldn't keep the keep enough points going up but a couple of them calls were just you know just not not going in our favor and i think that has a lot to do with the fans um, going back to your path caller, you know, how things were different back in the 70s. I'm going on 50 years. This is my 50th year as a Raider fan. And um, the, I've seen the changes, the changes in the rules, the changes in free agent, the players, the money now. And a lot of these guys are faster, they're stronger. And when they get injured, I mean, they really get tore up. So um, that's just a couple of things I wanted to throw in the game about it's changing. Yeah, it's changing and um, you know, your your point about the about the injuries uh drives home the point of how important depth is. And that's been lacking uh here the last few years with the Raiders. And you know, uh, we, we started the show talking about uh, what I believe uh and what turned out to be, I should say, kind of a monumental rebuild job uh that, that John Gruden uh took over when he took over the Raiders and it just was, like I said, we were there up in 2019 and uh, actually we were there 2018 to start the season, to start the 2018 season with the Rams. It was a Monday night football game, that late Monday night football game. Um, And you just saw that. I remember just sitting in the press box talking to some of my colleagues as a reporter for the Rams going, man, this is going to take John a little while now uh, rebuilding this thing. And, and it has, but I give him a lot of credit. He never panicked. Uh, he hasn't done crazy moves trying to bring in a bunch of veteran players just to kind of win now. He's stayed the course. 
Yes, he's signed some free agents. Some of them haven't worked out for injuries or miscalculations or whatever the case might be. But by and large, even those were just two-year deals. Let's see if it works. If not, boom, you're out of here, which has happened quite a bit. But by and large, it's been through the draft and trying to build the foundation the right way. And that takes time, especially when you only have a certain amount of picks and you got to rebuild the offense and the defense. It takes time. I think the Raiders are closing in to where they need to be. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson. You're brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur.